Thank you, Jan and Russ and John. Uh, by God's own ha God's own hand, uh, a lot of children and their adult teachers and leaders are at various places of the building right now, as they enjoy the first uh, session of Vacation Bible School. Uh, as you've heard, we uh, because it's Father's Day, instead of starting in the evening, we're starting. Uh, in the morning and then Vacation Bible School will be uh, Monday evening through Thursday evening. Please be in prayer that by God's own hand, wonderful things will happen as a part of Vacation Bible School. Uh, John and uh, John Campbell is not here. John and Terry are in Seattle where their two daughters live and where their son who lives in Korea has met them. This is the first time in four years that their entire family has been together. So pray for the Campbell family as they enjoy this time. And of course, as we enter into the time of the message, we've already had a sermon preached through the baptisms of Maddie and Natalie and of Mary Page. And so we give thanks to God for them and for what God is doing in their lives. Here now, the word of God is found in Romans chapter five, verses one through five. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we give you thanks for the love that has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We thank you, our Father, for the love that you have shown us through Jesus Christ, your Son. Jesus, our Savior and Lord and brother, we thank you for the giving of your life for us, for the way you intercede for us even now. And now, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to our hearts as your word is proclaimed. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Alicia has shared with you that we have moved her mother uh, into a memory care facility in Atlanta. And now we and her sisters and their families are going through uh, her possessions as we prepare her house for sale. And so we're going through those possessions that have great meaning and value to us and we're keeping and we're preserving those things. And then others we're preparing for the estate sale to come later in the summer. So we were there for a couple of days a while back, a week and a half or so ago, and um, went through many of the things. And, and so uh, maybe you've experienced this when there are special pieces of furniture that are significant for you or other items in your parents' home. You, you want to have them and you bring them home with you. And so we brought home several pieces of furniture. Uh, two of those were bookcases, uh, tall bookcases that were in granddad's uh, office or study for many years. And so we've placed those bookcases in our downstairs, uh, the place where uh, we watch TV and uh, there's no ever any rough housing that goes on in our house, but 
if there were to be roughhousing, it would go on uh, in that room. And so those bookcases are against the wall that is uh, right at the doorway between the, the roughhousing room and where the laundry gets done. And so it's a well-worn path in our house. And occasionally these days, when the aroma of pizza or chips or whatever is not too strong in that room, when I walk by those bookcases, I smell Grammy and Granddad's house. Those bookcases have preserved the aroma of their home. And for me and for us, that aroma communicates love. It communicates home. It communicates peace. So when I pause, if I'm not in too much of a hurry, when I pause and I stand next to those bookcases and take in the aroma, physically I'm standing in our home, but spiritually I'm standing in Grammy and Granddad's home. And my guess is that many of you have had similar experiences of aromas or things that you taste or touch or see that in that moment, you're physically in that place, but spiritually you're also in the place and in the presence of people that you love. In verse two of our passage, the apostle Paul speaks of this grace in which we stand. He's not speaking literally as if we're literally standing in a pool of grace. Although a few moments ago, Natalie and Mary Page and Maddie, we were standing in water that reminds us of God's grace. But it's not literally standing in God's grace. Instead, it's an image that Paul gives us that helps us think about the truth that through the Holy Spirit, God's grace is always with us. It's an image. And we can play with the image in various ways. We're not exactly sure how Paul meant for the image to be taken. But I like what uh, N.T. Wright and his commentary on the book of Romans says about this image. He suggests that we think of this phrase, this grace in which we stand, that we think of it as a room. A room filled with God's grace. And we are standing through Christ and by the Holy Spirit in that room, receiving the grace of the Father. It's a connection, this image at least, to Hebrews 4.16, which speaks of the throne of grace that we can approach through Jesus Christ with boldness. It invites us to think of the throne room of grace, that through the Spirit we are connected to the Father and Son in that heavenly throne room. And it's a reminder that wherever we are, we are in that room of grace. Through Christ, wherever we are, there's nowhere we can go as followers of Jesus where we are not standing in the grace of Christ. We take the room with us as we stand in the grace of God. 
Today is Trinity Sunday, the day of the church year where we give some purposed and intentional reflection on the Trinity, our understanding that God exists as a relationship between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The fact that Paul uses this image of standing in grace, of a grace room in the same passage where he speaks of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, reminds us that this doctrine of the Trinity is not just something for us to puzzle over that we will never fully comprehend. Instead, I believe that God reveals the, the nature, the divine nature to be Trinitarian in the New Testament so that we can better understand how God works in the world and how God works in our lives. 25 years ago, my sister-in-law gave me a book that gave me a wonderful phrase that has helped me to understand the Trinity. The phrase is this, in a massive conspiracy of grace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have plotted together to turn our lives around. In a massive conspiracy of grace, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have plotted together to turn our lives around. And so as we walk through this passage, we will see the three members of the Trinity working together to establish and to bring us into this grace in which we stand. Let's look at verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, justified is a relationship word. In the Greek, the word justified, the word that we translate in English as justified, is very similar to the words we translate as righteous or righteousness. The two words, the two ideas are connected. To be righteous is to be in right relationship with God and with one another. To be justified is to be placed into right relationship with God and with each other. So when Paul speaks of being justified, we are justified by faith. He means that we are made righteous by faith. We are placed in right relationship with God and with one another. We need to be placed in right relationship with God because through our sins, we have created a separation between ourselves and our creator. And through our sins, we create separations between ourselves and our fellow human creatures, which means in our sin, we do not have peace with God. We are not in right relationship with God. But through faith in Jesus, verse one says, we are justified. We have peace with God because we are made right. This happens, verse, uh, the end of verse one says, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus makes a way for our sins to be forgiven. Jesus makes a way for our relationships with God and our relationships with each other to be redeemed, reestablished, reconnected. Through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus makes a way for us to be in peace with God. It is not something that we accomplish. It is not something that we earn. It is not something we make ourselves worthy of. It is something we receive as a gift by faith. Putting all of that together then, Paul says in verse 1, we are justified by faith and made at peace with God, given peace with God 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What is more, as we've already said in verse 2, through this massive conspiracy of grace, through which Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have plotted to turn our lives around, we have entered into this grace in which we stand, this room of grace. And what's more, we look forward to the glory of God that we will experience in heaven when we die, the glory we experience spiritually, and then the glory we experience when Christ returns and we are raised with him to love and serve the Lord in a glorified way on God's new and redeemed creation. So verses one and two speak of the work of the Father and of the Son. But skip over to verse five and we see the work of the Holy Spirit. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Look at it this way. The Father builds the room of grace. The Son, through his life, death, and resurrection, is the door through whom we walk into this grace. And the Spirit who lives in our hearts walks with us every step of the way. Another way of looking at the image, in heaven right now is God the Father and seated at the right hand is Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, God the Son. Right now, if we are followers of Jesus, God the Spirit abides in our hearts. Wherever we stand, we stand in the Spirit. But that Spirit who is with us connects us to the throne room of grace where the Father and Son abide. And so through the Spirit, we enter into and we stand in this grace, we live in this grace room, all a gift from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Notice how personal verse five is. Notice how personal the gift of the Spirit is. Paul doesn't say, the Spirit has been poured out over the world. He says the Spirit has been poured into us. He doesn't say the Spirit has been given a little bit to you. He doesn't say you've been given a drop of the Spirit. He says the Spirit has poured into you the love of God, the love that God has for you in Jesus Christ. And then the very personal part of it, the Spirit has been poured, God's love has been poured into our hearts, our hearts through the Spirit, let's read it again, has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given for, given to us. The one who created the world, the one who sustains all things, we believe through the testimony of the scriptures and our own experience loves you and me personally and personally dwells within each of us. Life with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is as personal as life gets. Marilyn Robinson is a, a wonderful novelist and she is an acclaimed, critically acclaimed novelist. And she writes specifically from her a Christian perspective, her Christian, deep Christian faith. And so I've enjoyed her novels. Home is one of my favorite novels. Uh, a, a woman in her late 30s goes home to care for her elderly father and then to care for her younger, bro actually older brother who's a prodigal son type person who's come home. 
And in this book, Home, we get the picture of home as grace and grace in which we stand. Well, Robinson's written a lot of novels, but she's also given and published a lot of essays. And I had not read any of her essays. And so instead of uh, buying the book, uh, Alicia has uh, put me on this wonderful thing. You know, you can get books on your phone now. Do you know that? You know, I'm kind of slow on these things. Many of you have been doing this for years, but you know, I'm catching up. You download a book on your phone and then you can play the book as someone reads the book to you. Uh, kind of uh, like when you were a child and people, were, your parents were reading to you. Okay, that's kind of how it works. And, and so I, with my eyes straight ahead in the car, I'm watching what I do. I'm, I'm listening to books now. And so I, I don't buy the book to read of Robinson's essays, but I buy the audio version. I download the audio version of one of her books and the content of her essays is remarkable and the witness of her faith is wonderful but I have a great disappointment. It's not her that's reading her book. If you do this, if you like to listen to books, there are some exceptions, but in most cases, the author does not read her or his work. There, uh, there's probably some marketing or professional reasons for this, I don't know, but it's normal. So I'm not criticizing Marilyn Robinson, she's doing what everyone else does or most everyone else does. But my disappointment was that I wanted to hear her voice. I wanted that personal connection with her as she reads her work. The good news of our life with God is that it is never impersonal. God never communicates with us impersonally from afar. God is with us is in us through the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 speaks of how the Spirit in our hearts knows the will of the Father in heaven and also knows our hearts and communicates to God with sighs and groans beyond what we can articulate so that God hears from our hearts. The Spirit is so very, very personally the presence of God with us, which then means we stand in God's grace in this room of grace wherever we are in whatever season of life, whatever struggle. God is with us always. So one and two, verses one and two, father and son. Paul speaks of God in verse one. He's referencing God the father, father and son. Verse five, God the Holy Spirit. But in between, suffering. Verses 1 and 2, justified by faith through Jesus Christ, grace in which we stand, grace room. Verse 5, love of God poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. But in between, suffering. Hear that beginning of those phrases, verse 3. And not only that, but we boast in our sufferings which means that standing in the grace of God, receiving the love of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit does not exempt us from suffering. It is a part of life. That doesn't mean that God willfully, intentionally always brings suffering upon us. It simply means that it happens and following Jesus does not exempt us from suffering. He goes on to say, we know that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint us. 
God does something wonderful out of our sufferings. Through suffering, character develops, endurance develops, hope is strengthened. This does not mean that we go looking for suffering in order to grow. This does not mean that if we are suffering, we should just grin and bear it and enjoy it as best we can. This does not mean that if we are suffering, we shouldn't pray to God every moment that God would relieve us or this person that we love from the suffering. We do pray that. We pray that for each other. And it does not mean that God has sent the suffering just because we're not strong enough and we need to learn endurance. No. It simply means that suffering is a part of life and some of us experience more of it than others. And when that happens, we are still standing in grace and by God's grace, endurance develops and character develops and hope develops and all of these things are strengthened. Suffering may be a part of your story at this moment. Maybe it was a part of your story in the past. For all of us, it will be a part of our future. The good news is that God is with us. And, and somehow, by God's grace, something good happens from it. Again, God doesn't cause it to make good out of it, but but the suffering isn't wasted when we stand in grace because God does strengthen our character and our endurance and our hope and brings blessing in us and through us. So the rhythm of the passage, one and two, father and son, verse five, Holy Spirit, in between suffering, producing endurance and character and hope, all experienced as we stand in the grace of God, as we stand in this grace room. Put all of it together and we receive a calling. Put all of it together and we receive a calling to share grace with those who suffer, to invite people to join us in the throne room of grace, in this place of grace in which we stand through faith in Jesus Christ, to join Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in turning the world around and making it more of what God wants it to be as we work for and give witness to the kingdom. All of these things done personally, personally with each other as we love each other in this place, personally with those we give witness to Christ with so that they see Jesus in us, personally as we get our hands dirty, walking and working with others who suffer, seeking to share with them the hope and joy that Jesus gives. Personally, through the Spirit, we participate in the work of the Father and of the Son. Tonight, Alicia's made this announcement, tonight is our month of the week, uh, day of the week, Sunday night of the month. I'm all confused now. Just scratch that. Laugh with me for a moment. Uh, tonight, let's see if I can get this right, is our once a month Sunday night, there we go, of going to re the Recovery Point Men's Facility in town. It's a facility, residential facility for men struggling with addiction. To go to that facility and to provide uh, games, card games, uh, Uno, other things, <clears throat> and homemade desserts for about an hour and a half. And as you've heard, and you'll 
promise I, you'll hear it more as you've heard. Uh, these men rightly, desperately need a boot camp type experience. They need almost every moment of their days structured so that they can, by God's grace, beat this addiction with which they struggle. So what we do is we provide about an hour and a half where they can relax a little bit and be with people who love them and we can hear their stories and they can eat the homemade desserts that they don't get to eat very much. And then we come from that place to pray for them daily until we meet again. Um, Thursday night, uh, Linda Turner and Creta Billups uh, and I, and there may have been others that I didn't see, from our church were over at First Presbyterian for the graduation ceremony for folks from Recovery Point. Now, these are not the folks that we've gotten to know because the folks that we play games with are usually within the first month of their being in the program. But the folks that were graduating, 20 of them, uh, had been through probably years of the program and, and they, they're, they're, they're sober now. Many of them have jobs. They're being the dads that they weren't before. It's a beautiful thing. And so there were 20 graduates, about 10 of them gave testimonies and there was a consistency in the testimonies. Over and over again, these men would say, the folks at Recovery Point believed in me when I did not believe in myself. And so people standing in God's grace were coming alongside people that weren't and who didn't believe in themselves and were helping them to make that shift to believing in themselves. And then secondly, what they would say, as these folks believed in me, I came to believe not only in myself, but to believe that God loves me and that God is with me. And so it's by God's grace that they've been able to arrive at, the, at this place of arrival, this place of, of celebration. And so it's this beautiful picture of people not standing in grace before, standing in grace now through the grace of God. But what I love the most about what, this what was going on at this graduation ceremony, the, the part of it that I love the most <clears throat> was, was at the very end. And it was time for the closing prayer and uh, the congregation was a little bit unruly. We'd already gotten up and we were walking away and, and we'd forgotten to do the closing prayer. Gotta have the closing prayer at an event like this. And so the person who is in charge, who is this really tall guy, uh, and who, by the way, his sobriety, he, he got a, a pin for 10 years sobriety this week. So this was a big deal. And, and this guy was really excited. And so with a you know, tall fella, big booming voice, with great joy and great energy, he gathers us together for the prayer. And then he loudly and joyfully says, who's father? And all of the men from Recovery Point, just as joyfully and just as loudly and just as energetically said, our father. And then seamlessly moved into the rest of the prayer. So here's how it worked. Whose father? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'd never heard it done that way before. And it was powerful. Because the whose father, our father back and forth reminded these men and all of us 
that we do not walk through this life alone. We walk through it together in the company of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who work in us to bring us to this place of grace. And for these particular graduates who've worked in their lives to bring them out of addiction, not only into a place of productivity in society, but also in this, on this Father's Day, transforming them from irresponsible fathers, absent fathers to responsible and present fathers and making them into people who will pour their lives back into those who are now where they were because they know what it's like. And where are they doing this from? From a room called grace. From the grace in which they and we stand who've received peace with God, the Father, through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit through whom God's love has been poured into our hearts. And so, sisters and brothers, let us hear the call to, through our witness, invite others to stand with us in the grace of God. Through our work, to share and spread the grace in which we stand to our neighbors and our community and to stand always in this place with our children who are standing elsewhere in this building to stand together in God's grace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All of God's people said, let's pray together. Whose father? Our father. We thank you, O God, for your love for us. Poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, displayed through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. For every person who is presently experiencing great suffering, we pray that by your grace you would sustain them and strengthen them. For every person who is walking with someone who is suffering, we pray that you would give them strength to be the people through whom you share your grace. Help us as a congregation to stand in your grace together as we share it, as we give witness to it, as we help spread it throughout our community. And may, oh God, every one of us know in this moment beyond a shadow of a doubt of your love for your love has been poured into us through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And so as always, we sing our hymn of commitment, the solid rock 526, if there are decisions to share, we invite you to do so. On Easter Sunday, Mary Page and Natalie and Maddie came forward to profess their faith in Jesus, and this Sunday, Trinity Sunday, they were baptized. If you have not professed publicly your faith in Christ, we invite you to do so. Come and speak with me before the church as I will then share on your behalf 
to the church your decision. Or maybe you're already a follower of Christ, but not a part of a church home. Come and join us. Or you may simply need to come forward and to pray. Let's stand as we sing together. Let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, for those whose fathers are no longer with us, on this Father's Day, we pray your comfort and your joy as they give thanks. For those who struggle in their relationships with their fathers, we pray that you would give grace and hope and joy this day. For those this day who can be with their fathers and those fathers who can be with their children, may it be a wonderful day, a day of great blessing and connection and communion and sharing. For all of us, may this Trinity Sunday be a day in which we give thanks, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that in a massive conspiracy of grace, you have plotted together to turn our lives around. Forgive us when we fail to participate in your action. Help us this week to participate faithfully in what you're doing in us and through us, O oh God, this week and always. Spread your grace through us into the world, this grace in which we stand 
and for which we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.